Hello, and thank you for joining us on Building Greatness the Warrior Way, a Westcliff University Athletics podcast. As always, I'm joined by our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. And I'm Sherm Dog, David Shermet, the head baseball coach at Westcliff University. Hey, Sean, we've got another excellent show today and some very timely topics that we're going to be discussing that seem to be the cornerstone of the last 50 podcasts of, uh, of some of the stuff that we've already discussed. But, you know, we're starting to make strides. Now, before we get to the topics on the table today, I want to point out some uh, interesting facts, because as you know, the Olympics are supposed to start this week. Now, we're still not sure. We're kind of waiting because things are a little bit up in the air. But I wanted to throw a few Olympic facts at you to see if you know any of these. You know, the motto for the Olympics is Cetius Altius Fortius, which is Latin for faster, higher, stronger. Did you know that? Have no clue. Okay. The colors of the Olympic rings in no particular order are blue, yellow, black, green, and red. And they represent uh, the five different areas of the world that are Africa, the Americas, Asia, Europe, and Oceania. Did you know that? No. Okay. There are okay. There are five official Olympic values, and I think this is cool. I didn't know this until today. Joy of effort, fair play, respect for others, pursuit of excellence and balance between body, will, and mind. Did you know that? I did not know, but I tell you one thing, the Olympic Committee is in violation of some of those. Uh, you know, I think you're absolutely correct. Maybe all of them, as a matter of fact. It's going to be an interesting yeah. down to the wire to see what decision they make, because as we know, the uh, variant, the Delta variant, is uh, running amok causing havoc with a lot of things. Yes, and, and the Olympics in particular. And the last thing about the Olympics, the torch is a tribute to the fire that burned throughout the ancient Greek Olympic Games honoring the goddess Hestia. I didn't know any of that, actually. It was, it was kind of fun to do a little bit of Olympic research, and it's hopefully timely, and we get to watch Simone Biles, the number one gymnast in all the world, probably in history, as a matter of fact. She's just better than everybody else. She the GOAT plus. I, I, I mean, anytime where you have uh, created, uh, you know, moves in your sport that can't be duplicated and they can't even figure out how to score them and then insult you by telling you not to perform them because they're too dangerous. I think you're, you're the GOAT plus. Oh, yeah. Whenever I, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are that you have to be the best on your field of play. I mean, that obviously adds to it. But when they change the rules because of you or you move the needle, uh, meaning there are a lot more people watching television when you're performing, that is real change. Yeah. And yeah, oh, yeah, really interesting about and, and, you know, there are a handful of people, obviously, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Simone Biles. Uh, maybe Tom Brady, or or I would at least think Patrick Mahomes, and, and there are plenty of them. You know, there's a there's plenty of track and field stars. You know, Karina Jabbar. I mean, Lusa, you know, Lou Alcindor before he changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right? The no right. donk, right? In college, right? That True. It was a, bad, you know, they banned Duncan for a minute, right? In yeah. college, yeah. and then they brought it back, but that was really because nobody could stop. Blue Ostender, you know, that is 
Yeah. And freshmen were not allowed to uh, um, be on varsity. You couldn't play as a freshman when he was in school. Yes. Um, yeah. And also, you know, changing the rules. We've mentioned it before. Will Chamberlain, you know, the three point or the three second rule, the violation is because of Will Chamberlain and his hundred point game. He was unstoppable. So How they, about all the golf courses that got changed from Tiger Woods uh, in 97? He true. Through the PGA and then. Even mm-hmm. Arnold Palmer said, hey, we got to switch this up. Man. This yeah. dude is devastating. If you don't switch that up during that time frame, how many more majors would he have won? Uh, yeah, you know, the term tiger proof became lexicon because, you know, the courses were easy for him and they had to make it more difficult. So they had to, quote, tiger proof it. The funny thing is, is that they played right into his hands. The longer they made courses, the more he won because he was better equipped than anybody else to deal with the length or the difficulty of courses. And, you know, that the funny thing is, is that it, it, it kind of backfired on them, you know, and now everybody hits a ball 350 yards and it, uh, you know, our, the winner of the uh, open championship recently, Colin Morikawa was 15 under. Nobody ever does that in the Open Championship. So, you know, these golf courses that are supposed to be difficult because of Tiger Woods are playing right into the hands of the athletes. And, you know, every sport has their athlete. Um, And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today. Now, of course, every sport has their, I should say, iconic athlete. Um, You know, somebody had to be the best in their sport. You could pick any sport. And it's kind of interesting in in women's sports, Serena Williams would have to be at the top of the list. I'm looking forward again to watching Allison Felix run uh, in her fifth Olympics, I might add. Um, And so uh, we were starting to make strides, not just on the field and court of play, but here's an interesting thing. And I want to get your take on this. There are recently seven hires in the NBA for head coaches. All of them have, uh, as of recently, are black. So let me go over them, okay? We, uh, Jamal Mosley was hired by the Orlando Magic. Willie Green, the New Orleans Pelicans. Jason Kidd, the Dallas Mavericks. Wes Unsell Jr., Washington Wizards. Ime Udoka, the Boston Celtics. Chauncey Billups, Portland Trailblazers. And Nate, Nate McMillan had the interim tag removed from the Atlanta Hawks. So over the last two weeks or so, We've had seven black head coaches in the NBA. So that obviously we're making progress. But my question is to you is, how do we know when we've made the progress that we want to make? Um, is that enough? Is seven enough? Is, should it be half and half? Should there be more black coaches? And, and how do we know when we've, when we've gotten to the point that we're satisfied? Well, I think because the reason why we're, well, we're not satisfied, I'm not satisfied. As a black American, I'm not satisfied. I mean, this is because we've been neglected. I mean, it, the league is 80% African-American. Mm-hmm. So and what, what happened was it was too much of a disparity. And, and don't get me wrong. I think it's been some overcompensation, you know, but but ju- rightfully so. Because we've seen, you know, Black Lives Movement Matter. We've seen George Floyd. We got so many unaccounted for unarmed black men that's been you know, just shot down in the streets like dogs. We got, um, you know, African-American men in uniform uh, being pulled out of their vehicle and, and, and being disrespected, you know, but we call ourselves patriots, right? I mean, come on, this is this is nothing. Seven, you know, it, it, it shouldn't have been a lack of. 
You know, <laughs> it should, it should, we shouldn't have to fill seven, right? But they had to do something. But but I'm I'm on the tip of ownership. We we still only have one black owner, mm, Michael Jordan. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And he had to get in through the back door. If it wasn't from you know uh, the CEO of BET back in the day that actually you know stepped up and made him a part member and then you know did the transaction that way, they wasn't gonna let Jordan in mm. up front. I mean, you know, it's the old boys network. Yeah, yeah. Right? So we still got change to be made, but I, I, I'm not gonna sit here and disrespect incremental steps. But for me, it's like fool's gold that we shouldn't have been in a situation anyway. Okay. Now we're just talking about the NBA. Yeah, and obviously, yeah. yeah, the other sports haven't caught well, up. NFL, you know. NFL don't get any better. <laughs> NFL, no, doesn't NFL, get any NFL is terrible. <laughs> you know, there's, at any one time, there's only ever been three or four, you know, and those guys. And, and my other question is now, here's the other thing. Do you think that, and let's just start with these seven head coaches in the NBA, and I want to talk about Jason Kidd in just long-term, a second. Long-term resistance, though. Long-term resistance and so recycle, Right. There's been some long-term assistance that you you called out, and there's some recycled, yeah, you know, products, right. But but they didn't come in and get bona fide jobs, you know, you, you know, just like Steve Nash came in and got a superstar team, right? right. Steve Kerr, you know, came in and he took over and, and got a superstar. Team. All this stuff, that you've, the seven that you named, this is overhauls. This is hard work. Nobody want to be in Orlando right now. Okay, nobody want to be in Orlando. Wes Unsell Jr., you know, there's some legacy there because Wes Unsell, his dad, played yeah. for Washington Bullets back in the day. Yes. Now they're the Wizards. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's, you know, probably some people, some executives in that building and ownership that's probably seen him grow up, right, you know, with, with the organization. So that's a little bit of uh, difference there. I mean, Chauncey Billups, I mean, he's paid his dues, Right. You know, he paid his dues. Who else we got? Willie Green? Yeah, at New Orleans. Right? How long he been around? Forever. Yeah. Nate McMillan in, in Atlanta. Nate, Nate McMillan's recycled. Shouldn't he have been even fired in Indiana Pacers? This is what kills me, right? We get a couple of, uh, of hires, and then we're supposed to be grateful as black folks, as African Americans, mm-hmm. right? And I know I sound a little harsh, but come on, man. We, we're talking about people who deserve to be in these positions, they wasn't given anything. This is driven over given attitudes, right? Been there, done that, been overlooked, and now being compensated. But, but you know, some of it, you know, seems like an overcompensation to some of us who's been close to some of these things because it should have never been this disparity in one of the few uh, predominantly black sports uh, that we have in this country. Okay, so but here- should have been. Okay, I I understand what you're saying, and I don't disagree. It it makes perfect sense. My next question, though, is how much leeway do you think they're going to get? I mean, if if some of them, uh, I don't know, just any of them, or all of them, or none of them, I don't know. How how much time are they going to get to put a winner on the court? Sure, as a Caucasian, you know, male in sports, and a coach, and a player, you already know this answer. So why don't you answer it for us? Because you already know. You already know it's a short lease. You already know. Yeah, but I it's I think we don't get we don't get uh multiple times to get it right. You know this already. Yeah, but I think I mean, expectations will be different in a place like Orlando as opposed to the Boston Celtics. 
So I think there'll I be more pressure on Udoka as opposed to Mosley. Well, I mean, here's the deal. I, I hope it's not no more pressure on him in, in the Celtics after we done seen Brad Stevens underachieve. Okay, he had enough uh, to bring a championship, you know, to uh, the Boston Celtics along with Danny Ainge. That was the the, the most – I've never seen anybody fail forward in, in the recent times as Brad Stevens had and, and was completely – uh, set up by Danny Ainge. We talk about nepotism all the time, right? Really, this is just what sports does. I, I've never seen somebody take care of a person so so eloquently, mm-hmm. right? And Brad Stevens has been taken care of. They should have won it. I mean, all those draft picks, okay? I mean, come on. You, they should have won a championship already. Yeah. So I hope they don't try to run him out. They should at least give him – Brad Stevens should at least give the guy the seven years that he had you know, and just was happy to show up in the playoffs when you should have been winning some championships. Now we can say, oh, well, LeBron James. Well, LeBron James was taking teams, you know, besides the Miami team. He was taking the Cleveland team on his back, right? But, but you know, which didn't have much talent. But, I mean, what, what happened to the Toronto Raptors was whipping Boston tail as well. You know, so they even underperformed this year. Boston should have went further than what they did this year. Hmm. But yet he he becomes the the next guy, the next GM. Yeah. Oh no no. Stevens is now the president of basketball yeah, operations. Yeah, really. how, how that work? How that yeah. work? So I don't okay know. I guess, I guess mediocrity it's, is okay. Obviously in Boston, but you know I don't know uh, if I'm really feeling so so confident in the new coach with Boston's uh, history of racism and bigotry. Mm. I, I don't even know if you even want that job. To be honest, I mean, they had uh, uh, what's my name, my man? They they hold to a higher standard. Bill Russell mm-hmm. didn't even want to come back to Boston. Yeah, because of some of the racial tension. Right, right. So, you know, this is well documented. This ain't something that I'm, uh, you know, making up here. I mean, but look, this is uh, fragile ground. You know, it's gonna be some people calling for my head and saying, "Oh man." This dean of athletics on the podcast, he's you know a little risque. He he must you know be be upset. He's he's mad. No, I'm just calling the facts what it is. Right. It is what it is. These are the facts, and you know we believe in inclusion for all. But it hasn't been inclusion for all in Boston. Not not in the basketball side for sure. Yeah. Well, it's not just Boston, obviously. But you know this is why we do the podcast, right? Well, so yeah, so if we talk about. We were just talking about Boston. That's the reason I'm talking yeah. about Boston. No, 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 it makes sense. Yeah, it, that, that stands out of the seven of these uh, cities that we're discussing. But, you know, this we, you say this all the time that we, you know, try to get people out of their comfort zone, which is why we talk about things like this. Yeah. So, you know. Um, education and it's relative, right? And, and what it allows uh, our listeners and more importantly, our student body, you know, and, and, and you know, West Cliff Athletics is that we understand and we okay with having the tough conversations because if, in order for us to move forward to inclusion, someone has to talk about these things, right? And, and put a spotlight on it, right? And I think, you know, our crew here, you know, Brandon Peterson, yourself and me, we, we, we've done a great job of, of looking at both sides of the coin without any implicit biases, right? It is what it is. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's not a great thing. To, to, you know, like, I'm happy for the seven candidates who now are coaches because they achieved a milestone in their lives. 
So I'm happy for them individually, but collectively from a society standpoint, it's BS. Like what took so long? Mm. Are you kidding me? Like, so now we're just supposed to be happy and write a column, write an article for a column and then, you know, move, move on. Like, come on, it shouldn't have took that long. And we also know that, like you said, it's going to be a short lease for some of them. Like Nate McMillan had a coach's tail off after he took over another from another coach, right? Being bounced in the middle of the season, right? Took over for another coach that got bounced and he coached his tail off. And that's the reason why the tag got taken off of him. What more are you going to do? Yeah. And well, he's got head coaching experience. He never should have had the tag and he gets him to the Eastern conference finals. So I think he knows what he's doing. Absolutely. Okay. Now here, here's something as I'm looking at these head coaches, the seven of them, I think Jason Kidd is probably set up for success more than the others, just as to the point of where their team is right now. I think Dallas is probably a little bit ahead of the other uh, six teams. Although Atlanta has just come off a great year. Uh, Chauncey Billups in Portland may be facing some difficult times just because Damian Lillard is kind of up in the air. They don't know what's going to happen there. Um, but I'm reading an article. I think this is it. What's that? I said, as Damian Lillard should be. Yeah, yeah. You should be exploring all his options. Absolutely. You know, you got to make the decision that is best for you and your family. But I'm reading an article here, and this is the point I want to address. Now, I am learning along the way. And I hope I, I apologize in advance if I offend anybody because of my ignorance, but I've got a question for you. Jason Kidd has an African-American father and a white mother. Um, and uh, so I, as I'm reading this article, it says there are only uh, certain things now is that we have six new black coaches. They're not counting Jason Kidd as being black. Um, right. But he is. Is that that's right, isn't he? I mean, it doesn't matter if it's your mom that's black or your dad that's black. If you have a parent that's a, a different uh, a different race, you're still considered black. Is that correct? Well, I, I think more importantly, he considered he identifies himself as a black man, but society has deemed him black even before because he's a person of color, right? Okay. So, okay. and that doesn't mean that he's dismissive of his Caucasian roots, which, which he should be proud of, right? Uh, you know, my younger brother, uh, we share the same dad, which is African-American, but his mom is white, right? He identifies black, right? Only because society has identified him as black. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. he, he, he can't go nowhere else without pe people uh, assuming that he's black, even if he wanted to identify anything other than that. Mm -hmm. Right. Because he's a person of color. And, and that has to do with some of our history. Right. That that that's, you know, that stinking thinking that's still a part of the fabric of, of America. I know we're striving hard to, you know, succumb for some of these things and, and people have opinions, whatever the case may be. But let's not act like the Confederate flag ain't still hanging in, in people's houses since they were still. Uh, just recently outside of state buildings and everything else, right? Sure. So it, it takes a while for things to 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 uh, actually, uh, you know, run its course. But I, I didn't even understand that. Um, had nothing to do with racism. I didn't even understand, like, how we would even celebrate, uh, you know, and, and, and accept that for a group of people that tried to do a coup on America <laughs> back in the day, right? Why would we even celebrate that? You know, why would we be happy to, to have a Confederate flag up, you know, which was people in, in essence committing treason, 
right? And that's me with my military background, right? right, right. I'm not understanding that, right? And that's even before the race, right? Before we even throw the race and what people thought of and what they believe, when have the loser ever been celebrated? <laughs> when has uh, any uh, group uh, through history who committed a coup attempt on the government ever been celebrated and revered? It just don't make sense to me, right? But that's a, another another topic for another podcast. But um, so, you know, we, we still have these things in society where people love to, uh, you know, put labels on others. And, and Jason Kidd, I'm sure he, he embraces both sides of his ethnicity, right? But society won't allow him to be nothing else but a black man. So, you know, he, he has identified with that. And I don't know his story completely, but he has identified black and people shouldn't accept that. Okay. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if I know a lot of mixed race people. I have a niece. My sister's little girl is adopted, um, black father, white mother. And um, I don't know uh, any mixed race people. And I'm going to just go with black and white for now that uh, have a black parent that identify white. Do you know anybody who, who has a black parent but identifies white if their other parent is white? Well, my, my point is that I think they really don't have a choice. Sherman is what I'm saying. Just with my experiences, like no one asks them what they identify. People assume because like I, I tell you all the time, like it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard because, you know, I'm all for the Me Too movement and, and I support you know, I'm an ally, right? So I support, you know, LBGTQ and plus, right? right, right. Uh, communities, but I can never not be black. But you would have to ask someone if they're a Jew, you would have to ask someone if they're gay, you would have to ask someone, you know, something different, but you don't have to ask me am I black, right? Right, you can see that, you yeah. visually can see that, right? So I can't never, I can, that's nothing that I could actually hide, you know, unless I'm, you know, trying to bleach my skin like Sammy Sosa, you know, Michael Jackson or something. Yeah. Right. And, and still, at the end of the day, I still may have some pigmentation in my skin. So I'm going to be a person of color. Right. So I just think that I, I'm not for sure if they identify, if they personally identify either way. I just think that society puts that label on them before they can even know who they are themselves. Right. Uh, and, yeah. and just, you know, speaking to my brother, you know, who I love dearly, and I don't care if his mom was white, Chinese or whatever, you know, or what, that's my brother. I don't look at it any differently. We believe the same red blood, you know, because I don't I'm not a racist. You know, I don't I don't have those tendencies, you know, um, you know, now as a grown man and have plenty of understanding. I just think that they're thrusted by society to pick. And I don't think that's fair. You should just be who you are, you know, but but you can't they cannot never escape the fact that they're a person of color. Right. And people who have small minds and and who are racist put labels on people even before they can speak. And that's unfortunate. Right. That's very, very unfortunate. And so we you know, we don't know, Sharon, because should they have to pick one or the other? That's just who they are. You know what I'm saying? That's their mother. That's their father. But but this society will do that, right? Because of, you know, the history, what we have with the Aryan race, right? And what we're talking about, you know, not my words, but theirs, 
being 100% pure, right? So they could never be white. Consider, you know, if that's the case, if that is factual, you know, from people who who pushed the race car through the Aryan nation, right? Could they ever be uh, 100% Caucasian? The answer would be no to that criteria, right? Right. You know, so I mean, you know, this is kind of dangerous waters, right? That we're, we're getting into because it, it is a lot of offensive um, things that has happened through the history with racism and, you know, all these disparities and, and different things of that nature. But, you know, it, we have to move forward. And I'm just glad that we were representing um, an organization with Westcliff University that has over 85 plus countries represented within our university, right? And, and our athletic department, you know, is ran by African-American, which is me, and I'm proud to be a black American, you know, and I'm gonna keep my ethnicity. Don't think for one minute that I haven't been, I've been marginalized here at the university, okay? I've, I've, I've had that happen, but I refuse to be silenced, right? And I'm not gonna accept it, right? If I, if I, um, if I can't handle those things, you know, personally and, and stop, you know, people from having that stinking thinking and marginalizing me, right? And, you know, because I'm on the cusp of getting my doctoral degree. So that's the only thing, the only other barrier they can throw in front of me because we're performing the hell out of this thing, right? That's the only barrier they can throw at me. Go fish. I could give a three yep. less, right? Yeah. But I, I used to be marginalized. And, and that's the day that I step away from this organization. But don't think that it hasn't been people within this organization that haven't, they, they've been trying hard to silence me. They, they don't like the change, right? And they try to marginalize a strong black man that's got a hell of a lot of leadership and experience. And they want me to go sit in the corner like I'm baby. You know, they want to put baby in the corner and they want me to get in my place. And that's been the undertone. I'm not taking that crap. Mm -hmm. There's too many people in front of me who have died, put their life on the line, who, who's fought, you know, for my freedom. I actually fought for their freedom. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The, the very breath they breathing, you know, I spent my time overseas, right? Uh, putting it in for this country that I dearly love because I'm a patriot but I call it what it is, right? It is what it is, okay? But I refuse that. But don't think I don't get uh, uh, pressure, you know, um, in situations to where they want me to go get in the corner. I refuse to. Hmm. Okay. Oh, by the way, thank you for the dirty dancing reference. You're old, man. That's an old movie. But Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We have, uh, and I'm just talking about Westcliff Athletics, probably as diverse an athletic department as you're going to find anywhere. Um, we have all ages. We've got all races. Uh, we've got, you know, women in, in, in great high power positions. Uh, Katie Rouse as an example. Um, and, uh, you know, we've got Asian coaches. We've got Hispanic. We've got black. Uh, we've got just about everything. Um, and, you know, there's a, you, you mentioned LBGTQ. Plus, and uh, you know, recently this past week, this is going to probably happen more often. I'm not sure why it is um, a conversation, as it because, and I'll I'll get into that in just a second. I'm not downplaying it by any means, 
But uh, there is a, uh, a hockey player named Luke Prokop, who a uh, Canadian professional hockey player. He's a defenseman for the Calgary Hitmen, uh, which is a minor league affiliate of uh, the Predators, the Nashville Predators. He came out this past week as being gay. He's the first hockey player under contract to do so. Now, we've had this in other sports as well. Uh, football players have come out recently. A few basketball players have come out. Uh, baseball players over a period of years have done that. And it seems as though, you know, I, I'd like to get to the point and don't think me insensitive because this isn't the point I'm trying to make. But, I, you know, I'm trying to lose the adjective more than anything else. Like, oh, he's a gay hockey player or he's a gay NBA player. That, that part doesn't matter to me so much. He or she is a professional athlete. And why do we have to put the moniker on them? Is, I understand early in all of this because maybe they are the first person to come out and say, hey, I'm gay. I'm the first person in this sport. Uh, you know, we've seen it in, in uh, women's sports, in men's sports. But I, I don't, you know, it, it seems like it shouldn't define who the person is. I know it's a big part of their lives. And at, at certain points, it does define them. But we need to get to, as a society, um, the point where we say, okay, you know, you're gay, but I see you more as a, as a person and an athlete. Um, why does that matter that they're gay? What's your point of view on that? Because we, we were, so you have to be taught to hate, sure. Right? Okay. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you know, it's, a, you know, I don't know if it's hereditary, but it's a learned response, sure. I mean, you learn to hate. You don't just come out of the womb hating things, right? Right. You just, you, you know, that's a learned behavior. And, and the reason why, you know, um, that moniker or that tag is because it's, it's liberation, right? It's being, they being liberated because they've been suppressed for so long, right? And, and for fear of retaliation and, and everything else that we know that happens. This happens even when you're straight. <laughs> Okay, you can be a straight and, 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 and go through some of those same challenges. You know, black folks go through it or African-American folks go through it. Women go through it, and, it's, and especially black women, right? Stereotypes and everything else. And, and people have been um, murdered and killed because of their sexuality, right? So it's, it's a reason why, you know, it takes courage and bravery. So I, I commend his bravery and courage and continue, you know, I, I continue to support because I realized, you know, Sharon, when I was growing up, you know, I was taught to hate uh, like that as well from a society standpoint, right? We had names and different things, name calling, all this stuff that you learn when you go to school and you get with other kids of, of different walks of life, right? And you start picking up some bad and poor behaviors. But once you get to the age of understanding, it's your job to make the correction. So I'm thankful to say that, you know, I made that correction, you know, a couple of decades ago, maybe even three or four decades ago. But and then I made sure that, you know, my kids did not succumb to that same stinking thinking that I grew up that that was generational. Right. So I'm, I, I do agree with you. I do want to see a society where they don't have to feel uh, obligated to to uh, come out because we should be accepting, but that's what happens when you're not accepted. You, you got to come out, right? Because you're not accepted, but I'm thankful that they have enough bravery and courage to do so. And I'm always going to support, you know, anyone for being their authentic self 
And um, yeah, I do pray that we can have inclusion and, and love for all, no matter if we agree to disagree. Because I, I don't live that lifestyle, but that doesn't mean because I don't live that lifestyle, you know, I have to suppress them from living their life. You know, it's YOLO, man. You only get one life and they should be able to live it to the fullest. And, and I don't have to degree, uh, agree with every step they make. Even my kids, you know, I don't agree with every decision my kids make, but I, I can respectfully, you know, agree to allow them to live the life that they see fit for them, even if it's different than the way that I intended to raise them or raise them. So I, I think, um, you know, I'm thankful that we're moving to this point where we're having more people um, that are able to, 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 to be liberated. But it, it, it just shows me, Sharon, more importantly, that um, that's why I'm so thankful to be a part of the sports industry, because athletes push the needle in every aspect of the world, in every genre, in every topic. You know, it takes athletes being willing to come forth and, and help out the common person, you know, because athletes are so revered. And um, <clears throat> so I'm thankful. Hopefully we can continue to have more announcements. And, and, and so this thing that you, you're talking about as far as announcing these monikers can, can just go away. But, but you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. You know, some people still see labels and, 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 and color and races before they just see human beings. And, you know, I'm just working hard each day just to become a better human being than what I was the day before. Yep, yep. And that's also part of your uh, overall vision for our athletic department and our <laughs> university. That was one of the first things that was made very evident to me when, when I met you. Um, gosh, I remember you, you shaking my hand. You said, I just wanted to meet you. <laughs> okay. That was how we, that's how we began our relationship, you know, and it just kind of blossomed from there. Um, you know, we've got all these athletes, uh, you know, our major sports, um, the four major sports, and then there's other sports, of course, like uh, uh, you know, women's basketball, there's soccer, there's all these other sports. There are thousands and literally hundreds of thousands of athletes. So when you think of the number of athletes that we have, um, professional athletes I'm talking about now, and even in college, even in college, you know, we've only had a handful that have come out to say that they're gay. Just by sheer numbers, there's got to be tons, thousands of them. And I'm thinking that somewhere along the line, they're, they're going to be getting, they'll be emboldened by these announcements by like Luke Prokoff and, and Sue Bird or, or Megan Rapino or whoever, Michael Sam, as an example. And, and so I have a feeling we're probably going to be seeing this more often. And the more, the more it happens, I think the more it'll become the norm and nobody will be surprised by it. We won't have to put an adjective in front of what they do. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen in our lifetime. I'd sure like it. I'd like it to be, uh, but it, it's topic for conversation. But somewhere along the line, it's probably not going to be as surprising as it is when a prominent athlete comes out and says, hey, I'm gay or whatever they are. Yeah, so, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned with the, the common folk, though, Sherman Dog, to be honest. And I'm not saying that, you, you know, the athletes that you just mentioned, you know, they all have bravery because they got so much to lose as well. But they got a little bit of protection too, you know, and, you know, financial stability and, and enough people around them support systems. Right. You know, I'm, I'm worried about the, the person working a nine to five for minimum wage who don't have a support system, who their family doesn't even, you know, um, you know, they don't respect 
who they are in their culture, right? And, and you know, I was just reading a story, you know, um, you know, and that happened in Atlanta and uh, some family members wrote on a young kid's head, you know, carved in their head gay, which is just ridiculous, right? But that that's the ignorance that you see, you know, that's the miseducation I think we need to start. Um, I, you know, I haven't been in grade school in a long time and, you know, but, you know, I know it was a time when I was in sixth grade, you learned about the birds and the bees and everything else. But I think you need to learn about other sexualities. You don't have to partake in it, right? Because I remember when we started going and we brought in some LBGTQ plus uh, speakers, even at our athletic department, some people were, were thrown off base, right? And they was like, man, why, why are we, why are we have to learn this? Because it's called inclusion. And it's called respecting others. And it's called appreciating differences. And that way, you learn not to offend anyone. Just because you're not the same, one common th thread that we do have is we're all human beings. And every human being should be treated with respect and dignity, you know, just at a whole, just at its core. And this has to do with also, Sherm, you know, we joke about it, but we have discrimination and in, in, in weight. You know, people making fun of, of people who are obese, which is kind of funny to me, Sherm, because half of the world <clears throat> is majority obese, right? Versus uh, uh, fit, you know, right now, which is a concern. And it has a lot to do with, um, you know, the governments and different things not letting us know everything they're putting in our bodies. And so it, it's some other complex issues that, that come into that. But you know, discrimination comes in all shapes and colors. And, and when we seek that out, we need to fix it. And we need to fix it fast. Yeah. And, but it takes a, a joint effort. It takes a group effort. It takes you and I having this discussion that someone may hear this and say, man, the way I was looking at this was all wrong. You know, even though, you know, I'm a fit person and I'm under 5% body fat, maybe that person who's at 20%, you know, BMI, maybe have underlying health issues or maybe have, you know, you know, thinking they're doing all the right thing, but they, they're taking down diet soda and the aspartame is giving them inflammation and the inflammation is turning into this and that, and now they're depressed and whatever the case may be, because all of those factors, you know, uh, come together and correlate at some, some point, but it all comes down to gut health, right? Can I educate myself on changing, changing the microbiomes in my, in my body, right? So my body can actually function and help me. You know, but we're concerned about our money making more money for us in the bank, but not what our gut health can do for our bodies and, and everything else. So, you know, as athletes, I think we need to share these stories and 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 here, not just for athletes to share is I'm willing to make an impact in the sports industry. So that means that it's multiple jobs uh, that are gratifying that doesn't require you to be the athlete when you're being a part of sports. So. These are just part of the educational things that we want to kind of take a look at. That's the reason why I'm going to, you know, get my PhD. Um, you know, it's in philosophy, but it's in uh, sports leadership and administration. And, and, and this is what I have dedicated the second half of my life to. And we'll continue to do this uh, in this space. And, and we're going to have these short stories, you know, that I'm going to get with Brandon, you know, um, with and, and, and we're going to do them from from. Um, athletic standpoint at Westcliff, and then we're going to do a third party outside where we can actually really tell the story so we can actually change some lives. So 
Um, you know, as you can see, I'm really passionate about, you know, this topic about inclusion and diversity because I know what it feels like on both ends. And I've been uh, oppressed and I've been the aggressor, you know, growing up, you know, uh, in, in my lifetime. And, and, and luckily, uh, um, I have have converted and re-educated myself to understand and appreciate people's differences. But that wasn't always the case in my life, you know. Um, you know, my journey, you know, had a lot of twists and turns. And it's okay for me to own that because in order for me to own that, you know, I had to own that so I can make the difference. And, and now I'm looking to make the difference. Mm. Well, you know, we, we as a society view that, we want to view that perfect person. Nobody I know is perfect. I, everybody's got something going on, you know, but we, I don't know, we place a high value on what you drive and how, how pretty you are or, or, you know, what kind of job you have or who your parents are. You know, we, we, we kind of live through our celebrities. We live through the movie stars. You know, there, there are people out there who, who have no lives, but they follow celebrities because, you know, that's, they, they want to see themselves in that. And we place a great emphasis on, on people who are famous. Not sure why it's just that way, but Hey, you know what? I, I want to ask you a question here too, because in this day and age, I don't know if this is helping or hurting. Do you think that social media is a positive or a negative where our, where this point that we're making is concerned? I think it's neutral. I think also, you know, social media is, is, is just, is just a tool, right? And, and it can be for good and bad, right? And be, but if you're in marketing, market will tell you all publicity, good or bad, is, 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 is good publicity, right? Right. So, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's neutral and it's uh, what it, it, it kind of exposes uh, the true light because now everyone have had this tool in their hand and we either showing our ignorance or we're showing our brilliance. And sometimes we're showing both in the same breath, if you can believe it. Right. And I've been on uh, the end of both of those things. Right. Because sometimes you can speak on things from a personal standpoint but what you've been told by people who are, are close to you um, in your circle and, and they have misled you not knowingly, you know, um, because, you know, but I think now we, we get to hear the stories that we already knew that was happening. Like, um, you know, far as, you know, with this diversity and inclusion, you know, we're seeing it through policing, how different neighborhoods are policed differently, um, how different demographics, you know, Kids are going to school, you know, not having a lunch, you know, needing free lunch to those kids who it doesn't matter. Um, you know, we see it in a way that um, people uh, put pictures up on social media to depict, to depict one thing when it's truly another. You know, I remember reading about um, California is actually um, going to be uh, having free lunch free for, for kids, right? That's something great. Um, in the picture, it had a black kid and it had an Asian kid in the front of the picture. And then it has like different kids of different races. Well, the Asian kid and the black kid for the free lunch that California is given are on the bottom pole of what's going to be distributed to, for free lunch or who's going to benefit for it. But if you didn't read past the story or if you didn't know, um, if you wasn't educated in it, you would thought that, man, um, the black and the Asian kid is going to be the ones that's benefiting from this free lunch. And they're not, 
not going to be the main people who are going to be benefiting from it, the main race. But those kind of things that, that we portray into the propaganda of, of news, you know, that we've been fed through TV without any credible sources or even credible sources not telling us uh, the complete story, you know, has really impacted and, and, and swayed the way that we think. And we know that algorithms are being used through social media to also make you think a certain way or make you continue to think um, the way you think to benefit them. So um, I think having this power within your hands of social media to be able to balance that out um, is the only way that we can kind of get a different opinion and, and true value. I, but I don't want to call it Sherman. I don't want to call it social media. For me, it's business media, you know. So I, I just go on social media really to handle business. And, and, and the, sometimes the business is uplifting and encouraging. Uh, that's why I like my page to be. But I keep it real, you know. And then, you know, now with name, image, and likeness, you know, do some other things. But, you know, it's, I, I think we need uh, to give the voice to the people. But, but it needs to, to also be in context. And, and it needs to be structured. But it is some evil people in the world. And it's some great people in the world. And normally, if you turn on the five o'clock news or noon or in the morning, they only sensationalize the bad things that's going on. They don't sensationalize the great things that are happening um, throughout this world. So um, at least, you know, social media be able to balance some of those stories for me. Yeah, I, I'm not on the social media train. I, I've seen what I think is more negative, more negativity out of social media than, than the positive it's doing. Yeah, if you're a marketer or you're a business or you're a promoter, it certainly is, is a way to get your word out to the masses. Um, but you know, there's, there's social media influencers now because they have so many uh, followers and it, it's sensational. You know, hey, uh, here's me on a yacht. And so my million followers can, can see me on a yacht and, and uh, you know, drinking a beer and, and having my, you know, my life. Really, that's, that's what we're trying to get across. You know, yeah, it, so that's, that's one, you know, you, what you're saying, Sherm, is a thousand percent correct in that category. Right. But then it is other categories. Right. Where people are helping people. Right. And, and other things of that nature. And then, you know, you got, you know, crowdfunding and you got GoFundMe. You know, you got a lot of things that's going on. But you're right to this point now with some of the algorithms. They try to group you together based off of your content and, and or your spending habits or whatever the case may be. So I, I can see how it can be completely overwhelming and be distasteful, you know, but but I will tell you is there is some, con if you're intentional, right? So I think social media, you also have to be intentional, but if you're intentional about what you're, what you're on there for, you can find some great things that are very, very positive and that are uplifting as well. You yeah. Know? You yeah. can knock everybody else out, but you don't want to hear it. <laughs> you don't say it too. That's true. Turn the comments off, block them out, unfollow some people, whatever the case may be. But I do think it's, it's the way of the world, right? We're here now. Coding is a big thing. You know, it moves our lives in a lot of different ways, the way that things are coded, you know, and programmed. And now we got, you know, computers making its own program and coding. So you, you can't dismiss it. Or you're going to be light years behind because daily it changes. But but I do understand where you're coming from. 
and respect. Yeah, I guess I'm a little old fashioned in that way. Well, it's not old fashioned at all. I mean, what you're saying is true, but what I'm saying is you can turn on that TV in the room also, and you can turn on the news and you can see the same content from a live person being fed in the same capacity of what you just um, conveyed. Okay. It's just a matter of, it's going to come down to what you want to, what you want to see and what you want to believe. I I mean, if you don't like what you're reading, you go on to the next story. You know, you don't have to. The content that you put out, you know, for your baseball team, it's all uplifting and encouraging. Always. Yeah. So you're contributing to that positivity in the world of that energy that is infectious that allows someone else to see that and be motivated and be driven and then want to be a part of your team and want to be a part of sports and want to be, you know, part of something that's positive versus is negative. So, you know, I think you get the energy that you project out into the world as well. Okay. All right. So now I've got another important question for you. Who you got, Milwaukee or Phoenix? Uh, you know, man, it's, it's looking like Milwaukee is going to close out tonight, um, especially at home. They haven't lost on their floor uh, this finals against Phoenix. Uh, you know, so um, I don't see it going seven, uh, but but the basketball enthusiast, you know, that I am, I would love to see it go seven. Oh yeah, but but I, but I think Giannis and, and the guys close it out. Um, they're at home, they're comfortable. Uh, they probably woke up this morning and had you know uh, mom's you know home cooking, you know <laughs> some their significant other, you know, um, you know. So it's it's nothing like being comfortable and having a lead and playing at home. And now that I heard um, Deer Park, they expanded it to about 60,000 capacity outside, outside the building, you know? And um, I've been fortunate to go to Milwaukee, you know, through the AAU runs, Um, you know, so Milwaukee's, that's a lot of people, man. That's probably all Milwaukee out there, uh, to be totally honest with you. And um, it's, it's gonna be, a great atmosphere. I think Giannis will show up. I think Chris Middleton has been the unsung hero. And I think um, Drew, Holiday. You know, Drew Holiday has shown what uh, Damian Lillard has said all season long is that he's the best perimeter defender in the league and, and, and just not getting the respect that he deserved. And uh, he's in, he's one of the best players in, in, in the world. You know, and, uh, he's been that for a while. And what I mean by that is, I'm not talking about superstars within the league, but anytime you're in that three letters of the NBA, you're one of the top in the world. So um, he's no slouch. He's never been a slouch. And he has his brothers in the league uh, to, to vouch for that. So, uh, you know, he comes from a great household. You know, I got a chance to uh, meet his his mom and dad during the NBA Top 100 camp about a couple of years ago. So uh, it's I'm not surprised you know, that he's performing the way that he's performing with so much resolve under pressure. So uh, I think Milwaukee closes it out tonight. Okay. The interesting thing about Drew Holiday is he was, of course, highly sought after, but he almost became a Laker. Now, if you remember, there were a few teams that wanted him and, you know, LeBron really pushed hard for him and he decided not to go to the Lakers, which is kind of interesting because then the Lakers went on to trade for Dennis Schroeder. But he decided to go to Milwaukee. He, he obviously made the right call for him. 
but I was shocked when he didn't go to the Lakers. I thought the Lakers, you know, were, are always going to be in the running or the or in the lead if they want anybody. Uh, you know, there's just too many positives going to the Lakers with the team that they had, and it's Hollywood and all the exposure. But he decided to go to a small market team that had what is turning out to be maybe the best player in the NBA right now. Well, I can tell you this, if nothing else, just through the interviews of this year, and we've seen this multiple years, but I'm just going to focus on this year. Um, we're, we're showing that um, Giannis is a, a, a top guy who leads with a lot of humility and, and honesty, you know, and, um, you know, it doesn't seem like he has an ego, you know, he just wants to win. And I hope that uh, as they get this championship tonight, he will continue to uh, lead in that example, mm. you know, because it's infectious to see. Yeah, yeah. And I'm surprised, actually, he hasn't won a championship yet. I mean, you might be right. Maybe there's one in their future here coming up pretty shortly. But he just I looks like he he's – what's that? I think Giannis closes it out tonight. Mm -hmm. And um, he's going to go and get about 30 in the paint. It ain't nothing nobody gonna be able to do about it. No, and he's in a hostile environment. And um, you know, unfortunately, you know, Chris Paul, 36 years old, played, you know, as well as you can play this year, um, you know, with his body and injuries, the feathers he's ever been in his career, uh, it just don't look like it's it's meant to be for him this year. Yeah. Well, it, you know, Monty Williams has done a heck of a job. He's he's my coach of the year, you know, the far away. You not like Monty. I mean, for all the things that yeah. he endured personally in his life, and then to be able to, um, you know, uh, have a couple, you know, runs, you know, with, with some teams prior to this, and and the leadership he has displayed all the way through. I know some people can criticize him about losing that lead um, in the first quarter. I mean, it's basketball. It's a game of runs. Monty's been around a long time. I mean calling a timeout in the first quarter is not the same as calling a timeout in the fourth quarter. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's a lot of game left, you know? So people, you know, philosophies look at it a lot differently. At the end of the day, nobody expect Phoenix to be here and they're here and uh, they're in the finals and they still got a chance to win the championship, even though I picked Milwaukee as the favorite tonight, but they still have a chance. And if they push it to a game seven, you know, I would tell you that it's a toss up for me. Um, game seven in the Valley, anybody can win that one. Um, but, but, you know, it, it, it would be, it would have to, if they push a game seven to the Valley, then, you know, I would have to think that Phoenix will have the mental um, edge, you know, because it would be very, very devastating for a Milwaukee team to, to lose on their home court tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, the one guy for me in this, obviously Middleton's been great. Holiday's been great. The guy that seems to emerge, and he's just now really starting to get recognition, is Devin Booker. Uh, he's got a 70-point game. You know, a couple of seasons ago, he filled it up with 70. And he's he's just unbelievable on the court. He's everywhere. He can make shots. He can drive. He can draw the foul. He gets a lot of foul shots. Um, and he's really become a superstar in the league. And I think he's one of those guys that gets overlooked. It's only now he's starting to get recognition. Yeah, I mean, I say now, I would say now for the common thing, right? But those who know basketball, uh, anytime, you know, the Mamba spots you out and say you're a dude, 
just like he did Dan Lillard, just like he did Kyrie Irving, right? You know you're a dude, right? You know, and um, I was fortunate enough to see him about maybe three years ago at the Rico Hines uh, um, summer, um, you know, workouts. And, and he puts in the work. Um, he's a pleasure to watch. He's an assassin. Um, came out of Kentucky, you know, didn't even uh, break the starting five there. Came off the bench almost like Zach Levine did. And he's been a bucket ever since. You know what I'm saying? He's been a bucket ever since. And he's been consistent through these whole playoffs. Um, you know, so it's just uh, it's amazing to see uh, the young fella. I think he might not even be 25 years old, to be honest with you. He might be, right. you know, sub-25. So he still got, you know, barring no injuries, we're we going to be able to watch him for at least another, um, you know, five to seven, seven years for sure. Um, they say that you don't hit your prime in basketball until you're about 27 anyway. So, um, you know, so I, I look forward to seeing this gem um, of a player for, for years to come. But to your point, I do agree. If, you, if you're if you the occasional fan, um, then you just got introduced to, to, to D-Book. But if you're a baller, then you knew who Book was when he stepped on the campus of Kentucky even before then. So yeah. he'd he been that dude. Yeah. Sure. He's 24. He'll turn 25 at the end of October. Uh, he's got quite a future. Quite a future. All right. Now, you know, the one last topic I want to talk to you about uh, is that, you know, we're getting through July and uh, school starts for us in August. And so do our sports. Uh, I think looking at our composite schedule, our women's volleyball team is scheduled to be playing Hope International at Hope International Saturday, August 14th. So we have a lot to look forward to. We're starting to ramp up. Can you tell me anything that I don't already know? You know, what, what I can tell you is that we're built for success. We've always been built for success. The five C's, you know, I love it. But I'm telling you, every program, if you haven't heard of Westcliff because of COVID in the year before, we, we kind of dominated, but then we got hit with a COVID year. But this year, is definitely going to be the year where everyone would know who Westcliff Athletics is in Southern California and Irvine. I mean, uh, from you know, from our women's sports to our men's sports, um, I'm, I'm looking at a championship, and I'm not just talking about one. I'm talking about multiple uh, championships this year, uh, at least winning conference in, in multiple sports. I think we're set up for that. I think we're poised for for that. I think we're built strong for it. And I think that has a lot to do with the wonderful first round draft pick coaches that we have that went out and found great student athletes that represents us, uh, our university in, in the right way. And not only will we dominate in the field of play, we will do the same in the classroom. So I'm, I'm completely excited. Yeah, well, we have, as I always say, we have a lot to look forward to because it, it's gotten here, you know, while it's going on, we've had a year, year and a half of, of not a whole lot happening. Um, but as I look back on it and I think, man, it was going slowly, all of a sudden it's starting to go very fast because, uh, you know, we're staring school in the face with our first classes on campus for the first time in a while. And our sports are starting already. I mean, they're going to be in practice here uh, in just a couple of days because our seasons all start in August, our, our fall season. So, uh, and uh, in no particular order, we know women's volleyball, we know women's and men's soccer. Uh, I believe cross country is coming up as well. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be exciting and it's going to be, you know, for us a return to play 
the anticipation is off the charts. I, I, I can't wait to get out there and hit fungos and, and throw batting practice again. So, you know, we've got a, a great lineup of sports coming up. Uh, we're playing some pretty good games against some out, outstanding opponents. And I'm not just talking about baseball. I'm talking about all the way across our athletic administration uh, and just a lot to look forward to. Uh, we're doing pretty well as an athletic department. I believe our cumulative GPA through all the athletic department is around 3.0, isn't it? Is that about right? That's, that's correct. And, um, and we're looking to see, make sure that gets even higher this year. Um, you know, I would say this, Sherman, it, it takes a lot, you know, to, that goes on, you know, to make, to make things happen on game day. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I'm not, you know, shouting out our SID team who, who does a lot of the behind the scenes, a lot of game time management. Um, they do an excellent job of, with our social media over 70 plus accounts that we have to, to show, uh, and show and tell the story, right? That, that also allows us to recruit these great student athletes. So I think we got one of the best in the business. Uh, they were recently recognized um, nationally, um, you know, for their efforts. But, but I think, um, once we get into this field of play and people see that the last 14 months, you know, we have been working. It's just been bamboo work. It's been that iceberg, you know, kind of thing where where you can't see a little bit on top, but a lot of things that was going on in the bottom, right? And, um, you know, the Zags talk about watering the bamboo, and that's basically what we did, you know, and, and, and we've been watering the bamboo, so it's about to take off. It's about to be exciting, but more importantly, um, you know, I'm here to graduate kids, you know what I'm saying? And, and to allow them to have a, a, a really great journey as they, um, you know, tackle their uh, athletics and, and academic, you know, um, goals, but, but also graduate. And so we got a big graduating class here in August that will be graduating. And you got a lot of uh, members of that graduating class you know, that, that endured COVID. And I'm happy to say that majority of our athletes taking advantage of the extra eligibility and going to be competing this year. So it's going to be super special. Yep. We're going to see them graduate and, and we're going to see them be out in the field of play. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, I am as well. Um, I was thinking about this the other day and I'm going to be selfish here. Um, I guess my proudest accomplishment so far is that at the end of this summer session that we're in currently, uh, there will be eight baseball players that graduate this year. So, and they go back to that first, our first recruiting class a couple of years ago, but that uh, my heart is full and, and my chest is swelling because of that more than what we do on the field. As it should. I mean, that's what gets me excited. Um, you know, and, and we have a lot of first generational um, college students here, you know, so it, it is so great. You know, it's going to be great to see them walk across the stage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which will be for us that happens in august too yeah august 20th we have our commencement and uh you know the other thing that i've discovered and i'm assuming the other sports are going through it as well because in this day and age of covid our athletes have gotten eligibility restored uh whether it's one year or two years and five of the eight athletes in baseball that are graduating are returning to the master's program and that just that makes me even prouder you know they they want to they want to keep they also want to further their education so, Sharon, this is a good, that's a great testament to your leadership and um, them believing in you because they could have picked anywhere, but they decided to be 
right here as a warrior. And they're going to go out and do some tremendous things. And I'm, I'm super proud of that. Well, so great job, you and your team. And great job to all the coaches and student athletes who believe in this program. Um, I'm truly um, blessed to, to be your dean of athletics. And, and I'm thankful to be in this opportunity to be able to uh, facilitate all the things athletics and academics that you need uh, to, to continue to, to strive for greatness. So I think it's a great thing, you know? And then, you know, one thing I do want to talk about, Sherman, before we uh, wrap up this podcast is, you know, you mentioned the Olympics and I got some beef with the Olympics, man, to be totally honest, especially the way they've been treating my black women um, in the Olympics. It has really been um, disheartening for me um, you know, um, one of them, you know, and, and here's, here's my thing is, you know, I'm, I'm all for inclusion. It don't have to just be my country, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, for one, you know, the British swimmer, Alice Deering, you know, who was the first black woman to qualify and represent Great Britain. And then, you know, she has, um, you know, a, a cap, swim cap on her head from a company called Soul Cap. You know, because, you know, African-Americans, we got the Afro, we got a little, you know, our, our hair do a little something different when the water hit it, you know, yeah. and, uh, and, and, you know, sticking curly and whatever. And um, they, you know, banned the soul cap for no apparent reason. It gives no added advantage for sure. her to swim. Right. Nothing at all. I mean, really, their depiction of it made it seem like it was a hindrance than a blessing. But she, if she can put it on and kick butt, let her put it on and kick butt. But that, I mean, that was one of the reasons why I made the comment that some of the standards that the Olympics say they're about, they're not upholding their own standards for that. You know, so I, I just wanted to bring that to the attention that I was really, uh, you know, I was really disappointed, you know. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, also with the Nubian sprinters ruled ineligible to compete because they naturally have higher testosterone levels than, than, than other people. Now, what's that all about? Ask them to, hey, you know, come on, take this pill so we can lessen who you are. That don't make sense. Right. You know? So um, I'm not happy about that at all. Um, you know, sure. that that's crazy. Yeah, there are two other women I should point out, and I apologize if I mispronounce the names, but Nika, Ugumike and Elizabeth Williams, both in the WNBA, left off the USA roster because of injury. They applied to be on the Nigerian roster, and they were both denied for no good reason. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. And they've appealed it, and they, they kept saying no, and I don't know why, to be honest with you. I mean, you don't need a, a tremendous association. I mean, if your grandfather was from or, you know, something like that, or your stepmom is married to, you can, you know, you can be in the Olympics for just about any country if you have an affiliation. So, uh, you know, why they're not allowing people to do that, and they're both Black women that are, are, are turned down. Um, to represent a country in the Olympics. That's really not the spirit of what the Olympics is supposed to be. So right to your yeah. point. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And two of the 26 women of the U.S. Olympic team are Black. And the reason why it's significant to that is because us Black folks, man, we, we don't get a chance to, to get out and swim. I mean, statistics say 64% of African-American children don't learn how to swim compared to about 40% of white children. Right. And, you know, these are the statistics that's out there 
And we know that's one of the leading causes of death in African-American kids is, you know, swimming. And, and, and look, I'm not a strong swimmer. I mean, I, I did enough, you know, the past and be amphibious for the Marine Corps, you know, but, you know, of course, we, you know, that was the first time I ever had to swim in full fatigues and boots in a backpack, right? So I was a little nervous because uh, I've never had all that kind of gear on trying to swim, but it is some disparities there. And so we don't have a very many, um, you know, um, symbols uh, to look up to in the Black community for our swimming, you know, and, and so that's that's really rare. Uh, to see a swimmer like one of my good buddies, my, my childhood friend for over 40 years who passed away about three years ago. Um, one of his sons was a real good swimmer. And, you know, when I first heard that he swam, that's like, you know, I had to get out of the stereotypes because normally, you know, we always laugh in the Marine Corps about brothers not being able to swim. And, and I was just on the cusp of can I swim or can I not swim? And, and it was funny because I told my boys that I'm gonna go back and, and learn how to uh, do some more challenging uh, uh, swim swimming. Uh, so, cause you know, as you get older, you wanna do anything and swimming is one of the best ways you can actually get in a lot of great cardio, right? And full body workout. So I wanted to challenge myself in that capacity. And, um, but you know, the Olympics, man, if, if, that's, if this is the only form of amateurism that we have for every four years and, and we got to do better. If you know better, you got to do better. And I'll just leave it at that. Um, but I, I definitely was uh, pretty uh, uh, disheartening about some of the, the things that have happened or transpired. And I'm not even getting into the young lady who decided to smoke the weed because we know, um, you know, weed ain't accepted, you know, in the Olympics. So let's not even talk about it. But, you know, but, but, if, if it's going to be legal everywhere else, then maybe they need to review that. And maybe this is not the year to do that. But, um, right. you know, it, it is what it is for that, for that one. But the other ones, you know, and then along with uh, Simone Biles asking her to stop doing things because they don't know how to actually grade her performances the right way. Uh, it's, it's just a travesty to me. Right. You know what? I, obviously, uh, the sprinter, I'm, I don't have to mention her name. She's wonderful. She's only 21. She's taking it very positively. She said, I'll be back. I'll, I'll, I'll be at other Olympics. It's just a shame that she doesn't have a chance in her prime to run in this one. But I do, on a positive note, want to talk a little bit about swimming. You mentioned uh, Cullen Jones became the first black male swimmer to hold a world record in swimming in 2008. Now, the current um, best known black swimmer is Simone Manuel. Uh, and in 2016, the first African-American woman to win Olympic swimming gold. And uh, I remember when that happened, I was watching it. It was just the, the joy on her face was outstanding. You know, I, I don't know if she expected it so much, but it really overtook her. And so she's in these Olympics as well, I believe. So uh, keep an eye out for Simone Manuel um, swimming for a uh, USA team. So we can leave yeah. it there. There's always a lot to talk about. She got a good chance. I can tell you who won't be winning the swimming gold, and that would be me. That's you, really? All right. <laughs> maybe, we have a, maybe we should change our sport for our one-on-one -on -one from basketball to, like, water polo or something. Oh, I'm, I'm out. Look, I'm tapping out right now. I'm tapping out. <laughs> you're tapping out. Okay. <laughs> you know, this is what I just told you. You know what I'm saying? I, 
we got to figure out if there's something to do with buoyancy or whatever. But you know what? I float pretty good. You know what I'm saying? It's just a distance thing. You know what I'm saying? I float really As long good. as you're not floating face down, man. That's <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I could do mouth to mouth on you, bro. Man, hey, I don't know if I want you to do my <laughs> Okay, that's something different. <laughs> We've totally gone right into the gutter at this point. We were doing so well with this podcast, and I it went right to the, right to the bottom. Oh my goodness! Oh well. I have a romance, though, so I'm not going to deny the fact that I am infatuated. Okay, most okay. curious, most curious. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend, we can leave it right there. I got a, uh, we got a lot going on in sports. Uh, we have a lot to look forward to, especially with our return to the field and return to, to play for Westcliff. And uh, we got more podcasts coming up. As always, sir, it's a pleasure. We'll talk again soon. Yay, yay. Go Warriors. And as always, I would like to thank my guest host, our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. And the gentleman who makes us sound good each and every time we do podcasts, that is Brandon Peterson, our sound engineer. Beep, 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 beep. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you download your podcast and please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get the word out about Westcliff Athletics and we thank you for your support. And keep an eye out for the next podcast.